Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Kicking off the nine o'clock hour here with a brand new release on the Cork Record label of FIFA. This is One Morning in August with the new single Local Minor Superstar. It's 28 Too cool for school 
There's some great collection of bands on that record label, the Cork record label FIFA. And if you would like to check out that one, that's a catchy single, isn't it? It's the new release from One Morning in August. It's called Local Minor Superstar. If you want to check that out, they, of course, have their Bandcamp page. Uh, they also stream their music on Minim, which is a streaming service we're talking about chatting about with over a year now at this stage but various things that kind of hopped on the schedule ahead of it but we definitely are going to have to uh, check it out and of course you can download it from iTunes or wherever you get your music as well. Now then, coming to the Cork Opera House this week and we were giving tickets away for it of course in the show last Sunday, is Molière's Tartuffe on a national tour from the Abbey Theatre and it is uh, being advertised of course on morning or you're hearing the ads bringing Versace to Versailles. <laughs> it's got all of the attitude, all of the glamour, all of the subterfuge and all of the deception because it is a spectacular dramatic comedy in which the villainous Tartuffe manages to inveigle his way into the house and uh, enthrall and deceive everybody. And one of the actors who is on tour with it is Geraldine Plunkett and I have longed to talk to Geraldine for so long so it was just such a pleasure to be able to pick up the phone and chat to her about this play, about her career with the theatre. Maybe a bit about Glenroe thrown in there at the end. Had to do it. Geraldine, the run of Tartuffe is up and running. You're already on tour around the country and like this is just... A riot of a play, isn't it? It is. It is. I must say it's going extremely well and audiences get into it more and more and more as the play goes on. Well, after all, the play, when all said and done, was first performed in 1664. So it's held its own since then. I mean, it's been performed in dozens of languages and it's been done all over the world and in all sorts of different versions and adaptations. So, you know, it's a proven play, in other words. And I suppose, you know, like Shakespeare, Molière had that knack, and that's why it's lasted so long, of tapping into themes and the the human condition and uh, the subterfuge and the underbelly, I guess, of the human character. That's right, that's right. I mean, hypocrisy, religious hypocrisy, but hypocrisy of any sort is a theme that can apply to any society or any country anywhere in the world and that's and the humour of this play of course is how Tartuffe's hypocrisy is revealed and that's where the fun comes in and and it is fun and the audience get into it you know so it's fun to be in and also the audience gradually at first they think well what's this about and then gradually 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 it it just builds and builds and builds and at the end we really do get great reception I must say everywhere. And your character, of course, is a total like fangirling <laughs> all over Tartuffe from the beginning. Yes, she is. She, she's actually a horrible person. I mean, I think actually she's probably a bit of a hypocrite herself, she, though she doesn't know it. Yes, she's, she hates um, any sort of, you know, dances or displays of anything. She's very, she's very puritanical, really. And she and her son... Um, her son has taken in Tartuffe uh, into his house because he thinks Tartuffe is a sort of a saint giving giving alms to beggars and he and Tartuffe is down in his luck and he wants to support him and all the rest and his mother is with him, my part, is with him in this. And then in the end, of course, Tartuffe is revealed. But all the other all the other characters in the play see through Tartuffe. They're much more if I could put it this way, normal. Yeah, they are. But at the same time, uh, the, yeah. the unveiling of this total wretch altogether doesn't come until he has uh, convinced you, convinced her gone, had the daughter's hand promised to him in marriage, swindled them out of the house, yes. you know, made passes at the wife. 
And, and yes, he is. And yes, still, you defend is. him. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I and, and in, in Act Two, and um, when Orgon discovers his, uh, you know, his duplicity, he actually witnesses him trying to seduce his wife. He um, and and he tells my character, the mother, Madame Bernal, he she simply won't believe it that this saint could possibly be doing this without. And then, of course, she does believe it because. I don't know. Off stage, there's further proof. The great thing about these kind of plays is that all sorts of things get wound up. You don't question how does so-and-so know so-and-so. You just have to assume yeah. that something has happened off stage. And of course, in those days and in those plays, the servants knew everything. So there was always tattle, 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 tittle, tattle all the time, which, makes, which may, means that if you want to round up a plot, there's no problem. Because the servants <laughs> will have said something. <laughs> I mean, it's great fun. Yeah. And of course, Shakespeare that, did that as well. I mean, if you look at all Shakespeare's plays, a lot of them, um, even tragedies, they all get rounded up happily or unhappily, as the case may be, you know, true, true. without thinking, oh, that's not plausible. He makes them plausible. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and the setting for this, Geraldine, the photographs that I've seen in the, the various stage shots, it looks sumptuous. It does look sumptuous, yes. Yes, Katie Davenport did the sets and she did and the costumes and she did a wonderful job because um, the set is like those. In fact, if you actually look at the set, there, there are all sorts of animals, sort of um, period animals from the 17th century and lushness. And if you actually look at the detail of the set, all of these animals are really attacking each other and being vicious. It's really sort of nature red in tooth and claw. And that's what she's managed to achieve with this opulent decadence kind of thing in the set. And I think the set is really wonderful. It really is. And the costumes are great as well. And she has little nods to modernity in them. Like, for instance, Marianne wears this lovely period costume. But underneath it, she has Doc Martens. You know, <laughs> little, little tiny things like that. Yeah, nice little bridging of time zones yes. and eras, of course. I heard there's a little bit of gadgetry and things like that involved as well. I won't, don't want to kind of give everything away about it, but just... Everything away, yes, I know, no, I know, I know. That's the thing. That's yeah. the fun of it all as well, isn't it? Yes, and, you and know, the music, the music as well. Um, the music is sort of a mixture of period and modern and different styles, but it all sort of weaves in very well, you know. There's no doubt about it, yeah. Well, when, you know, so many people are used to Shakespeare being taken and given a modern context, a modern setting, a contemporary mm. interpretation and that sort of thing. And Moliere, like we said, can stand the test of time for all of those as well, regardless of the, I suppose, portrayal, because of the fact that it is the human condition that's being dug into at the end of the day. But, you know, the Abbey, right. the Abbey Theatre, when it goes on tour, always creates a stir. Like when a theatre company is touring, there's always great excitement. When the National Theatre goes on tour, or everyone, you know, obviously is curious about what, what the National Theatre is bringing around. And you have such a great mm. history with the Abbey, you know, I mean, like, of course we all know you from the roles <laughs> you've played on TV and, you know, there isn't a conversation I'm sure that you can't have without being asked about <laughs> Mary and Dick and, you know, that's all wonderful. And yes, we'll, yes. We'll come back to them maybe briefly in a second, but I, I know that, like, the vast majority of your rich career has been on stage and, you know, from a very young age with the Abbey. Yeah, 
yes, I started off in the Abbey, and that's where I met my husband, Father Lamb. And um, yes, as a matter of fact, when the new opera house, the present opera house, opened, the Abbey opened it, in fact, with um, O'Casey plays. And uh, I was in one of them when I was playing, I think I was playing Malls or in the Plough or something like that. I mean, it was something tiny. So that was way back in 1966, 66, 67, I think it was late 66. I'm not exactly sure of the exact date. So it's as far back as that. And um, yes, I do remember the Opera House all right. And I've played there since a couple of times with different plays, not not to do with the Abbey. But the Abbey itself, the Abbey Theatre, has been in the Opera House a lot of times. But it's been part of your life for, obviously, for longer. And, you know, like you said, you met your husband in the Abbey. Do you come from a theatrical family? Was it in your DNA or no, were you... No, not at all. No, not at all. Nobody in, in my family was in the theatre at all. Though I have a son and a daughter now who are Susie Lamb and Marcus Lamb, yeah. who have followed in our footsteps. But, but not um, No, there's nobody in my family at all. And the first. So why did you make those first steps towards that career? Well, I suppose I was very fortunate. I was in a play in school, several plays in school, uh, in the Earth Line in Thurlis. And in my last year, I was we did <laughs> Hamlet and I played Hamlet because of course it was a girls school naturally you know way back then and I played Hamlet and one of the directors from the Abbey Theatre Frank Dermody may he rest in peace thought and thought I had a bit of talent and offered me an audition so I had one and then I had another audition and then they offered me little parts and sort of went on from there you know that sounds like some sort of overnight stardom or something it wasn't it was I was state of nerves all the time because as soon as I started acting with experienced professional actress I realised I absolutely knew nothing. I mean I loved acting at school and it was absolutely gorgeous and Hamlet was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful you know and fabulous play etc. But I mean I realised that technically in every other way I really knew nothing when I was working with experienced wonderful actors you know. But it was gradual from there on and then I married Pather and then I left the Abbey and um, then gradually sort of freelance. I basically freelanced. I mean, since my first child was born, I have freelanced, really. I have worked with the Abbey, but I've worked with all sorts of other companies as well and television and that. So that's how it happened, really. Chance, I suppose you could say. Isn't that amazing? And, you know, how wonderful Mm. that, you know, small school plays can actually drop the pebble in the pond whose ripples can have life impact and and bring you such a, a richness of experiences ever since. Which is which is wonderful, and you've well and truly lost the Thurlis accent in that beautiful speaking voice, Geraldine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not from Thurlis; ah. I'm from Dublin. Oh, so, so I was never. This is this is the way I always. This is the way I always spoke. Oh, well, and yeah, why, no, why were you no, sent to boarding school, school or something? I was at the Earth Line. I was at boarding school. Yeah, oh, wow. I was at boarding school for eight years. Yeah, because my father died. So we all went to boarding school. Did you like boarding school? Um, I did. I did. Well, of course, you're always sort of dying to leave. I think life's going to be very exciting and all the rest. But yes, I was happy there. Mm. And, uh, you know, looking back in retrospect, I can honestly say that, you know, the nuns and the confident general, I mean, it was very, they were very simple days. And if we didn't get out and it was totally different to nowadays, you know, you were at boarding school and then you went home for your holidays. But it was a very kind, kind school, if I could put it that way. That's so nice to hear. 
You know what I mean? Like I would have mm. grown up on a diet of Enid Blyton thinking boarding school was the business. And, uh, That's what I thought as well. <laughs> I'm wishing, <laughs> wishing. I, I remember begging my mother to let me go to boarding school and uh, she wouldn't have any of it. But uh, Really? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> well, you know, when my mother said, to, what do you think about going to boarding school? God help her. We had to go really for practical reasons because mm-hmm. yes. she had to go back to work. And we, I, I was delighted. I thought I'd be having adventures like Enid Blyton, <laughs> like you. <laughs> and there we are. And no. yeah, but still uh, happy memories for the large part by the yeah. sound of it as well, which which is lovely. Geraldine, our time is up and, you know, I cannot. I would be absolutely lynched by listeners if I let you go without asking you anything about, you know, Glen Rowe or even just oh. a- acknowledging to you how grateful and how, you know, how much joy you would have brought uh, in your role on Glen Rowe over the years. And and I know listeners listening in this morning will be yeah. commenting the same. And every year when school comes around again and the memes about the Glen Row tune and everyone's homework not being finished. I mean, you know, people must constantly be talking to you with just yes, with joy do. and love yes, about do. your character. Yes, they do. And they do say the same thing about school. And then they have to go, you know, yeah, go yeah. to bed at the end of the <laughs> yeah, weekend. Yeah. And everything. Yes. Yeah. But that was such a great role, I suppose, Mary and the the long suffering time she had with the the, <laughs> yes. the rakish Dick Moran yes. who treated her abominably. But she was some bit of stuff herself, wasn't she? She was really. Yes, she was. I enjoyed it, I must say. And I must say again, that was a very happy experience doing yeah. Glenro, you know, and we all became very close during it because it ran for 18 years. So it was became like a family. And yes, in terms of acting, I mean, there were so many varieties of plots in it that you don't get necessarily to play a, di- a different character, but you do get a wide range of emotions to play. So that was good as well. And we all enjoyed it, I must say. And of course, it was nice that it was so popular. Hugely. And I mean, like, yes, you're dead right. You know, as humans ourselves, we change constantly through our lives. We don't remain the same. That's right. We all have different shades. And it must have been fun, you know, getting to chew on various sides of Mary's character and give her all those different experiences, too. Yes, it was. It was. And of course, naturally, we were getting older. So we were changing anyway. It was fun. It was good. It was interesting. We're all getting older, but it's not stopping us, Geraldine. That's the main thing. And, you know, May- I, no, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you continue uh, relishing the part of Madame Pernel in uh, Tartuffe and uh, sticking Thank it to the yes, audiences. And uh, may we wish you the just great, great fun and joy in your time in Cork next week and that you just have a ball. Thank you so I'm much. I'm looking forward to yes. it. Yes, I am. Thank you very much indeed. Thank, Thank you. you. I just loved talking to her. I could have talked to her for ages about various things, but it was a pleasure to be able to talk to her and to have the excuse be the Abbey's touring production of Molière's Tartuffe. It is, of course, a new version uh, by Frank McGuinness. It's directed by Katrina McLaughlin. And this 17th century classic, as they say, has been given an audacious contemporary makeover. Uh, I loved reading this in college myself. Really loved it. Um, it's absolutely uh, ridiculous. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back after these. Cork's 96FM and C103. Well, there is so much happening over Cork City and County uh, and lots, in fact, to get stuck into. Like this Friday, the 12th of May is another important date. Sounds from a safe harbour returns to Cork in September, but tickets are going on sale this Friday at 10 o'clock. Now, some concerts are already announced, like the Bonnie Light Horseman with the RT Concert Orchestra. Music for that one will be arranged by Bryce Dessner. And in collaboration with the Quiet Lights Festival, Ye Vagabonds are hosting another event and 
there's loads more to be announced. All the details are on soundsfromasafeharbour.com. Now, next weekend sees the Ballymaloo Mayfair Centre around the grain store in a celebration that sees, of course, nature and food at the heart of it all. There are cooking demonstrations and classes all weekend, talks and garden walks and tours, and of course there's a focus on sustainability and zero waste. But it'll also be a huge celebration of craft and products made in Ireland. Over the whole weekend there'll be a new, numerous workshops in everything from how to make your own lip balm or candles to <laughs> making reeds or painting seascapes. <laughs> I'm working here. I'm testing the lip balm. <laughs> <laughs> it looks very good on you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll test it later, all right? <laughs> there are demonstrations in forgotten skills of spoon making and blacksmith's forging. There's even art and Lego workshops for children and uh, a clothes swap. Um, there's candlelight tales bringing Irish mythology to life and the Cork Shakespearean Company are doing an outdoor performance of A Midsummer's Night Dream on Friday night and all weekend of course there's bands and singers and food trucks and stalls so they describe it as brilliantly as an ode to good food green living and gardening to the arts, to fashion and to fun. And all the details of course are on BallymaloeGrainStore.com Great to see the place. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely it'll be heaving with activity. Now Michael McCain is playing a romantic piano lunchtime series in Triscoll over the next month. This coming Friday it's a programme called Romeo and Juliet where they'll be telling the story of Shakespeare's star-crossed lovers Romeo and Juliet in Prokofiev's colourful and evocative score but before that you'll hear one of the great romantic piano sonatas, Beethoven's Pathétique along with some of the favourites of the 19th century's finest piano composers like Schubert and Chopin. It all starts at one o'clock in Triscoll on Friday and you can see the themes he's chosen for the coming weeks on Triscoll's website. Now, dancer Luke Murphy is showcasing a brand new series of dance performances in Firk and Crane on Friday and on Saturday with three performances each day. It's called The Prometheus Project and it's a series of five distinct but interconnected performance installations which will be developed and presented over three years. Now, adapting the classic story of Prometheus, that's the god who gave fire to humans and anticipating the crucial moment when Zeus took it all away, this series introduces us one by one to a community of people preparing to lose power. Wow. So this is the chance to see Luke Murphy, Luke Murphy's work before it transfers to the Dublin T- Dance Festival later this month. Okay. Um, sea Church was the location for Fiona Kennedy's official album launch on Friday night by all accounts a great evening. Upcoming gigs include Kieran Goss on the 19th of May, the Havana Club Trio, um, you also have David Kitt on the 27th and the Franken Walters at the start of June. They've loads in the programme and all the details are on seachurch.ie and the Barras and Clon have a busy week of music ahead with a variety of gigs all week from trad to folk to acoustic paired back gigs incorporating lots of solo elements of electric six songs and then next weekend to mark his 20th anniversary there's a Noel Reading Experience Festival from the 11th right through to the 14th of May that's from Thursday onwards so just go to Debarra's webpage and their social media to find out what's happening there
the Eurovision Song Contest is not just a European phenomenon, it's watched by millions all over the world. It unites us, it divides us, it gives us plenty to talk about, it can launch careers and make global stars of groups like ABBA back in the day and solo artists like Celine Dion. And this coming Wednesday morning, Dave McGrath is hosting a Eurovision Celebration Gramophone Circle in Holly Hill Library with a chance to listen back to some of the great Eurovision hits. And so Dave, I'm delighted to talk to you about it. Tell me, when did your interest in Eurovision actually kick off? I would say, Elmery, it's probably going back to the 1965 when our first entry was Butch Moore with singing I'm Walking the Streets in the Rain. My poor heart feels like breaking Cause I'll never see you again Still nobody knows I am I'm walking the streets in the rain My tears are mixed through the raindrops And I feel like I can't stand the pain Still nobody knows I am crying That was my first entry into the Eurovision and ever since. Well, I would say not up to the present, the last five, maybe ten years, because really the Eurovision has become a bit of a circus <laughs> rather than a, a song contest. You know what I mean? So so you're you're really into the melody side of things, is it? Yes. I mean, I used to, I used to like the ballad song go and I used to love the orchestra and each country had their own conductor conducting the orchestra and then you had the votes from each country and there was no public voting and that was the perfect Eurovision Song Contest as far as I was concerned. But now there's nearly as many people on stage in the <laughs> present Eurovision than there was in the audience. I mean, it's yeah. And yet some people just love the whole spectacle and the whole staging of it has become so big, hasn't it? And every year we love to give out about the political voting and the national loyalties and Twitter goes mad. So this week you're putting on a celebration of Eurovision in Holly Hill Library on Wednesday morning and you're going to be celebrating not just lots of songs that went on to win but also a few of the runners-up and maybe a few of the runners-up that you think deserved the top prize maybe more than the songs which won in the end too? Well, as you just said, I you know, Elmarie, in 1968 the runner-up was Congratulations, as you know, with Cliff Richard. And the song that won the song that won it was from Spain and it was called La 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 and believe it or not there was 98 La La La's in the song 98 and that's 98 La La La's
and they won it, whereas more than likely congratulations should have won that Eurovision. And another statistic is, you might find it hard to believe this, but England actually were runners-up 17 times, imagine. 17 times? I was astounded. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that when I, when I, when I Googled it. 17 times runners-up, but then again... A lot of countries in the world don't like England and they could like Ireland usually vote for England. Don't sorry vote for England on a lot of Eurovisions. They, they might give them two points or they might give them no score. But in fairness to England, most years they always vote for the Irish song. I can't get over that. Like I know England won it five times, but it's mad they were second 17 times. 70, including last year, which they should have won again last year. But Ukraine won it because I suppose of sympathy votes around Europe from the from the war. Well, I know, of course, there was a lot of support for Ukraine last year, but I'm curious about the 17 runners-up. Can you think offhand of a few we might remember that, like, didn't win? Well, they had they, they, Michael Ball was runners-up, and there was a Scott Pitchell was runners-up. Um, now, believe it or not, Elmery, Ireland, uh, which is uh, by people might find hard to understand, believe, we know Ireland won it seven times, but we've been runners-up three times, and a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, I didn't. We were runners-up in 19... 19- in 1967, if I could choose, was Sean Dunphy. Um, Linda Martin was second, even though she won it with Why Me, she, she was second with Terminal 3. And Mark Roberts was second in 1997 with a song called Mysterious Woman. So Ireland runs up seven, three times and we've won it seven times. Sweden, Sweden have six times, so we're only one behind Ireland. But um, no, Ireland are singing on Tuesday night. I think they're, they're in sixth on Tuesday night. And um, there's, I think there's 17 countries singing Tuesday night. No, I heard a song once or twice. It's okay, like, but whether it'll get through to the final or not, we won on to Tuesday night. And then the six countries that are automatically come in every year will come in for the final on Saturday night. Spain, Italy, Ukraine, UK, Germany and France. They're automatic, automatically into it every year. We take our first breath And then we exhale Then we give it all we got Until we fail We get back up again We take a look around
Well, listen, Dave, I know there are so many listeners who'd be big Eurovision fans too, so we're telling everyone to head to Holly Hill Library on Wednesday morning to join you and listen to some great songs and uh, come together for that trip down memory lane. So what time are you starting? Well, it's kicking off at 11 o'clock, Elmarie, and I have posters up probably to four parts of the city, north, south, east and west, in supermarkets and garages, shops, everywhere. It's on Facebook. And so I'd imagine we we hoped we get a good crowd. I'd imagine you know there's a lot of, a lot of people saying they're coming along. I, we'd expect a minimum of forty or fifty anyway. You know, hopefully we we'll might get eighty or ninety. But I'd expect a big crowd. It's starting at eleven, so I would ask people to come along maybe between half past ten and quarter to eleven if they want to get a nice seat. You know, and there'll be a cup of tea and there'll be tea and coffee and biscuits at half time. There'll be we'd play fifteen songs in the first half, take a break, have a cup of tea and coffee, and as I always say. Marie, you might know this. My mother said long ago, a cup of tea is like a hug and a cup of coffee is like a slap in the face. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Dave. <laughs> so that's why my mother told me long ago, a cup of tea is always nicer in the morning. So we'll be having that at halftime and then we'll carry on the second half and we'll be doing runners-up songs and we'll be doing a couple of the Irish versions that came fourth or fifth in the early 60s, Dickie Rock and Butch Moore and Pat McGeegan and Sean Dunphy will play them as well. So we, we have a good mixture. And I'll be giving them a bit of history of the Eurovision over the last 50 or 60 years. So it should be a good morning. I'm planning this for about 12 months. And um, hopefully um, people will turn up and we get bums on seats. And um, we'll have a lovely morning and everyone will enjoy it. Well, Ireland will be on Tuesday night. So you'll know if we're through or not. And uh, I guess if we were robbed or not. And Tuesday's semi-final will no doubt change all the bookies' odds into the bargain too, which is all kind of part of the fun of Eurovision, isn't it? And the, the guessing about who will win. So listen, Dave, the best of luck. It sounds like it's going to be a thoroughly enjoyable morning. Holly Hill Library, this coming Wednesday from 11 with Dave McGrath. Thank you very much, Elmore. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. I can still see your face through my teardrops But the rain was softly she's gone The tears and the rain will keep falling Till you bring back the sunshine again Still of a tune for our first entry into the Eurovision in fairness we landed and we uh, we announced ourselves for sure with that one and uh, wishing Dave McGrath the best of luck with that Wednesday morning Holly Hill Library and it'll be gorgeous now we were giving away tickets earlier on to see the artistry of Frank Sinatra the whole story of Frank Sinatra as told and sung by Jim O'Mahony in the Cork Arts Theatre it opens on Wednesday night runs through until Saturday night all the tickets are available on the Cork Arts Theatre website but well done to Margaret Manning uh, from Bandon who people have been texting in 
in all morning telling me, I said, which pack did Sinatra run with? It was, of course, the rap pack. So well done, Margaret. We'll send you along on Wednesday night. And for the rest of you, uh, tickets aren't that bad, actually. So the check out the Cork Arts Theatre website. We'll be back after these. The Arts House on Cork's 96FM and C103. And you're welcome back to The Arts House. It's Connor and Elmery with you until 10. Now, Ovale's monthly event for May event takes place tomorrow night in the Long Valley Bar, Association of Forest Nagwelga, and features Dara O'Cueve via Zoom and Doreen Inachineda in person. The event starts with poetry films and then there's the Five Words Poetry Challenge, followed by their guest poets and later there'll be an open mic session. Now, you're either welcome to join online or in person by just going to the Hayloft Bar. That's upstairs in the Long Valley, just in Winsor Street here in the city. And if you want to participate via Zoom, just email your request to info at ovale.ie. And you can watch as well through their Facebook and YouTube pages as well, so it's great. I love that five-word chat. What they do is they give you five words yeah. and then the poem that you write has to incorporate those five words. Yeah. <laughs> it's very clever. Now, here's somebody who took more than five words and created a whole book it's called The Grass Ceiling it's Ema Ryan's book on being a woman in sport and it's another event that's taking place in Waterstones and the book is going to be launched The Grass Ceiling is going to be launched by Kevin Barry at half past six on Wednesday evening in Waterstones again here in the city now then, today, the Hub in Active European Citizenship in UCC is organising Ireland's first Europe Day Festival in the City Hall and the Millennium Hall of City Hall. It'll be a free family fun day today for everyone, starting at one, running through until five, and right throughout the day, they'll have singing and dancing on the main stage. There'll be lots of different activities to discover and have fun on the theme of the European Union. So there'll be face painting, crepe making, you can learn a song in different languages, play games, take part in a quiz. There's lots of options actually, all happening based on what time you arrive. Everything is child-friendly and light-hearted and based on exchange so it's worth checking out. Uh, and again, all activities today in City Hall are free. Next weekend is a brand new music festival in Cork called the Roots Festival. It starts on Thursday night with Clota Quirk from Passage West and Kit Barrett from West Cork in Collins. Friday night has the Lost Brothers and Lisa Gorry as well as events like a silent disco. Then on Sunday you have things like the Henry Girls in the afternoon and Melogian with Cormac O'Keeve on Sunday night. It's going to be a four-day feast. And the White Horse and Balling Colleague is also one of the venues. And on Friday night, they've got a kind of a strings group called Gurts and Gravy, while the Lost Brothers are playing the White Horse and Balling Colleague next Saturday. So here are the Lost Brothers with a song called More Than I Can Comprehend. And you can check out collins.ie and whitehorse.ie for all the details. What's gone wrong? You're running wild again. You hear that song? Broken plates again. Why be unkind to your oldest friend? Darling, this love is more than I can comprehend. I called your name. I called your number through the rain. Through the thunder, why turn away from your man again? Darling, this love is more than I can comprehend. I 
a mile understand We all must cry while we draw a line Through what matters most Darling, this love of ours It might just kill us both What's the rush? You got no place to go What's the fuss? You know I love you so Why waste a night In tears again Darling, this love is more This love is more This love is more than I can comprehend This love I have for you will never end Isn't that absolutely gorgeous? I really, really love that piece. That is, of course, the Lost Brothers there and so much happening for that brand new festival called the Roots Festival. Well worth checking out, I have to say, collins.ie and whitehorse.ie as well. Now, next Saturday at 8 o'clock in the Glen Theatre of Antier, it's the turn for the great sing-along songbook and they go on tour and they're sharing the story of the swinging 60s. So the best of luck to them with that. They'll tell you the whole story of that psychedelic Gear up, no. with some great songs. <laughs> the Blue House Gallery in Skull is hosting an exhibition of paintings by John Simpson. It's called Between the Tides and it's open every day between the hours of 11 o'clock and 5 o'clock until the 17th of May. I just want to remind everybody, of course, that the Glocksman Gallery are amazing when they host their family Sundays and uh, they take place again today from 3 until 4. It is first come, first serve and uh, the adults stay with the children. You don't just drop them off. Uh, So this is a beautiful family fun creation and as usual they take their inspiration for the activities that will take place between three and four from the current exhibition in the gallery which right now is hollow earth so all things subterranean looking at prehistoric cave paintings and drawings exploring living creatures that reside deep uh, down under the ground both real and mythical so it'll be a very creative hour between three and four but it is first come first served now a little bit of film news and uh, the Tracton Arts Centre Film Club continues with films in, at the Inkwell this coming Friday, screening A Yak in the Classroom. It's Bhutan's first ever Oscar-nominated film, capturing a poetic sense of place and character as it follows young teacher Ugyen while dreaming of becoming a singer in Australia, he's reluctantly sent from the modern capital to the most remote school on earth. You get the story anyway. That's the Yak in the Classroom. It's in the Tracton Arts Centre Film Club on Friday. Now, if you want to go and share the whole Eurovision experience as part of a group, then it's being streamed live in cinemas as well. So on Saturday night, the live final, and hopefully Ireland will be in that, will be on in the gate at 8 o'clock here in the city. Now, today sees the continuation of the May Sunday Festival organised by Greywood Arts Centre in Glen Bowerwood in Killa. There's a craft market from 11 to 4 today in the woods and there's music with Flake the Gander at 2 o'clock. There'll be crafts and promenade theatre. They actually have a week of events ahead, including things like a foraging walk in the woods on Friday. So if you're interested in that or any of the other events as part of the May Sunday Festival, then check out greywoodarts.org. I spot here in the text someone coming in saying, what's on at City Hall today? It is a, a kind of a European day celebrating the European Union. It's being organised by the Hub from UCC. So there's different events taking place. There'll be music on stage and uh, different activities for children to maybe watch or join in and that sort of thing. And it'll be taking place between one and five. So um, 
There's no specific, well, actually, there is a full timetable of specific times for different activities but I, I couldn't go through the whole thing with you now on air so basically whatever time you turn up at City Hall today there will be something to see um, and if you can you might be able to join in some of the workshops as well Did you get to cover live at St. Luke's? Henry? No I didn't actually okay, Right. So today don't forget check it out book your tickets for their newest festival it's on in the June weekend it's called Three Rivers Rising and with everyone from John Spillane to John Black to Mita Houlihan and many more. It's going to be another weekend of magic gigs to remember. It really, really will. Now, the Lava Gallery have a, a collaborative exhibition on at the moment. You have two artists there, Johnny Bugler and Dermot Breen. Johnny Bugler's work is often associated with the sea and the coastline and the folklore which surrounds it. And his work ranges from print to sculpture. And Dermot Breen's work highlights... <sighs> the importance of escaping the working environment to gain perspective on where happiness truly lies. Isn't that what we're all after? <laughs> His work is very contemporary but has a nostalgic feel so if you want to pop in then it's worth calling into the Lavic Gallery. Now we've had so many requests for various um, Eurovision songs this morning but you know Wayne called one to mind uh, a while ago so while Richard Goodison has suggested maybe Cahill Don's Happy Man this one, I think Richard pipped it for me. Um, this is Liam Riley's Somewhere in Europe. Champs-Élysées night 
Oh, lads, we were robbed. We were robbed. So, <laughs> best luck to Wild Youth on Tuesday. We'll chat to you again next Sunday. Slant till then. Ninety six FM and C103. The Arts House with Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked, and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes, the great taste of home.